Welcome to the Michigan Opportunity, an economic development podcast featuring candid conversations with business leaders across Michigan. You'll hear firsthand accounts from Michigan business leaders and innovators about how the state is driving job growth and business investment, supporting a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem, building vibrant communities, and helping to attract and retain one of the most diverse and significant workforces in the nation. Hello, I'm Ed Clementi. I'm your host today for the podcast, and uh, we're fortunate to have Eric Roberts. He is the executive director for 20 Fathoms. Welcome to the show, Eric. Hi, Ed. Thanks much. Thanks, uh, thanks a lot for having me. Well, you came to us through a good source, through our CEO, Quentin Messer, and uh, he doesn't recommend lightly, so he must really be impressed with you. So we want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to jump on the show today. Well, I appreciate that. When when Quentin came up to visit us, he commented on this, and it was a it was a compliment I took at that time as well. And uh, it's uh, it's great to be really great to be with you. And you know, twenty fathoms really doesn't mean anything directly to me. So explain to people what it is when you first meet them. Sure, sure. Twenty fathoms is a technology and innovation uh, startup incubator in Traverse City. Um, we're also a co-working space, so you don't have to be a startup business to uh, be a member here. Um, we uh, we cater, we sort of aim our our our, our presence to technology. Um, but you know, I know the MEDC, for example, has talked this past year about getting more into rec tech, into recreational technology. Obviously, sitting here in Traverse City, that's of great interest to us. So, so we we if you're a startup business and you're interested in coming up north, uh, we're a great resource for you. And your journey is interesting because you're actually a youper, right? I am. I am. I was. I was born in Ironwood. I uh, lived there till I was five. I was reminded this morning that I'm a fourth generation youper. My my dad's grandfather, uh, Finnish guy, came over uh, on a boat and found his way to Marquette, Michigan. And believe it or not, Ed, and I'm not kidding, he carved his own axe handle. He actually, he, he wanted a job in the lumber camp. And and at that time, if you wanted to do that, you had to carve your own axe handle. So if you ever wonder where the, the Michigan grit comes from, it's guys like that. So anyway, yeah, I was born in Ironwood. I lived there till I was about five. Uh, as I said, my dad was a forester. And uh, so he we moved down to a paper mill town uh, when I was six down in Wisconsin. And then back up to Michigan, uh, South Michigan, to Michigan Tech to get my engineering degree. And then my career took me out to the East Coast for a couple of years in Connecticut. Um, most of my career, good share of my career in Chicago, um, much of that was with Motorola. And then out to the West Coast to Silicon Valley for the last eight years. And then boomeranged my way back to uh, the Midwest, to Traverse City, about six months ago and joined 20 Fathoms about three months ago. So I'm relatively, I'll say, new to the area. Um, but a, a Michigan native, and it is absolutely awesome <laughs> to be back. It is good to have that uh, the, the the urban living behind me, I'll say. <laughs> yes, and you do have one of the more charming cities in the state to be living in, too. That's great. Yep. Um, it's interesting, too, when people come back to Michigan, um, especially people like yourself who have lived on both the East Coast, West Coast, and sort of like what's the downtown kind of for the Midwest, Chicago, right? Yeah. And, uh, and then you come back. I, I think that's what sort of interested our CEO a little bit is why did you want to come back? You know, when, when, so we didn't mind living in the Chicago area. We're in the outskirts of Chicago um, and, and didn't mind it. But when, when my family um, headed out to Silicon Valley, 
um, we knew that would be a somewhat temporary move. Uh, my daughter just started college this past fall uh, up at Michigan Tech, as a matter of fact. And uh, so so we knew we'd be coming back and we thought it would be, you know, maybe another two to three years out there between COVID and her heading back to the Midwest to school. We, My wife and I looked at each other and said, why in the world are we why would we stay out here? And so we started the process of coming back a number of years ago. We just didn't really know when it would happen and uh, came to visit Traverse City a couple of years ago. Um, spent a week and a half in the summer here. And of course, it was sunny and beautiful. <laughs> so we we <laughs> absolutely fell in love with it. We didn't come to visit in January. <laughs> uh, yeah. We uh, Anyway, so we, we fell in love with it at that time and said, set our sights and coming um, here for uh, our into our late working years and semi-early retirement. And that whole calendar just moved up with with COVID and my daughter heading off to school. So uh, we knew we'd be back in the Midwest. Ed, it, it's been it's been a phenomenal career journey for both of us. Um, but we're Midwest kids and, and we knew we'd be back. You also mentioned a couple words that I think people take for granted, but probably wouldn't help with a little definition. But could you kind of explain a little bit sort of like venture capital, incubator, tech startups, angels? We'll get to angels some more with you later, too. Sure, sure. And, and I, I, I laugh all the time when, when those terms are, it's a little bit like, like boat, boating words, right? The, the people in the boating world, they, they want you to think they're, they're smarter than everybody else. So it's, it's a line, it's not a rope, and it's starboard, it's not right. And so I kind of make fun of them all the time. And I think, I think we've got a little bit of that in the startup space, too. So if you think about an incubator, incubator in the real world. All it is, is when the, when the baby chick is born and maybe can't completely sustain itself, it's put in an environment where it can, it can actually grow up and thrive to a point where it can sustain life on its own. And, and a tech incubator is just exactly that. So a startup business, think a guy is in his basement and he's got three to four employees and he's growing pretty fast and it's time to go get an office. But his own office space with his own broadband and his own heating bill and his own electricity and all that stuff is a little bit too much. Not quite ready for that yet. But that same guy, he might know he might know his product and his innovation and his technology really well. He may not know how to deal with intellectual property rights or what a cap table looks like or uh, HR issues. Uh, so, you know, when, when somebody comes into an, a, a startup incubator, he or she is surrounded by those services and other folks who have those skills. So, so the, the, the CEO comes in and he might meet a woman who's also a startup CEO and get advice from her. I always say the, the loneliest job on the planet as being an entrepreneur startup CEO, because when you screw something up, it's really hard to go to your board and say, I screwed up and I need help. And you can't, but having a, a buddy sitting right next to you who has been through that before or has experienced something like that before and getting advice is free and easy. So this think that if, if you think incubator, think environment that helps those small startups to thrive. From a venture capital investment perspective, when you're a small private company, it's sometimes difficult to get your hands on capital. A large company can simply sell more stock and dollars come in and they can invest those dollars in the business. When you're a small startup, that's a lot harder. And so you hear things like, you know, that first very beginning is probably it's your own money. It's your own time. It's your own. It's your baby. You're, you know, you're working your butt off trying to get this thing off the ground. You hire a couple of employees, you have to pay them. And so sometimes 
startup and entrepreneurs will look to their friends and families. So you hear somebody go, I raised $20,000 from Uncle Ned and $10,000 over here. And then there's a phase after that where your business is starting to get kind of real. And there's a, a, a sort of a world of angel investment where, you know, uh, accredited investors, you have to have a certain amount of um, individual wealth to be able to participate in that can invest in startups and, and they're the ones who are allowed to do that. And those dollars are typically at in the $100,000 range, maybe to $400,000, $500,000. And then if your business gets past that and it's time to really grow, really you're seeing some amazing success, you're really seeing a lot of potential, a lot of growth, you can enter into the venture capital space. And that's typically just a much bigger number. And there are large funds involved where there's a fund manager who says, yes, I will give a million dollars to this startup over here to fund their growth. That's usually in exchange for some ownership in the company. That's how the venture capitalist does his investment is he, he puts, gives you a million dollars in hopes that you grow like crazy and return $5 million back to him someday. So that, those, that's, those terms are really just about different phases of investment for a startup, uh, for a startup company. Did that help Ed? Did that kind of, did that hit it? Yeah. And one other thing, I think because we use the term tech startup, so like liberally, yeah. Is it not necessarily always just tech, is it? I'd say it's not. I'd say it's not it, but an observation I'd have is just about every company on the planet has a tech element to it. I, I, the, 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 the guy in downtown Trevor City is telling, selling T-shirts has a website. Right. So so, you know, that 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 uh, re, being a resource to the Trevor City area for anything related to technology is very important to us. So so even if you're not a member here, you don't know what you're doing with it. Stop by and see us as sort of a, a culture, a, 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 an environment we're trying to build. So uh, the, the company itself doesn't have to be high tech. Certainly, we aim our programming offering and we have training classes once every week or so we try to aim them towards technology but boy we find a, a very wide a wide net there of folks who are interested and we we one of our real success stories the guy came into our space uh, from microsoft and just got the bug just saw the innovation around him and started his own company he just graduated this past summer um, with his startup business so so there's lots of different paths to, to that we can help you through Tech is certainly something we we aim for, but boy, there's there's a there's an element of tech I find in just about every company out here. Yeah, and I really believe the last couple of years <laughs> in the weird era we've been in is people have had to really depend more and more on tech for every industry, and it's accelerated that process. And I don't think there's going back really in some of those areas. It's going to be. Digitization for almost a lot of things. Though. I agree. In addition to being good at your business, you have to become better at tech, right? It's like it's almost like QuickBooks, right? Your finances, you kind of can't run the business without some finances. It's feeling that way about tech too, isn't it? Or you third party it out, which right. is becoming a growing field for people with web pages yep. and every, you know, just all that digital platform, social media is becoming third party people doing that for a lot of your companies yeah. probably too. Yep, you bet. Yeah. And we should also touch on this real quick, but you're, are you head of, or are you involved with the, are they called the Northern Angels? Northern Michigan Angels. I'm certainly not, the, I'm certainly not the head of it. No, I, I joined in. And in fact, I got involved with them while I was still living in California. When we knew we were going to be moving to this area, I've, I've been very interested in this tech and startup space for a long time. When we knew we were coming to Traverse City, I decided the very best way to get involved with it and really get exposed to the people who were, who were doing the work, the people who were involved. In fact, funny story, I reached out to 
Lauren Bigelow, who was the executive director of 20 Fathoms before me a year and a half ago, just to ask her what was going on in the space and what's it like. And I had no idea this would ever come to be. So um, I've just been interested in the space for a long time. And that was a vehicle Ed, that I got involved with um, while I was in California. They like to have their meetings at 730 in the morning. That's Eastern time. So that made it 430 in the morning for me. But but it was a great way to meet a bunch of make, quite frankly, make a bunch of new friends as well. Um, but really get in touch with what that that ecosystem's like here. You're listening to the Michigan Opportunity, featuring candid conversations with Michigan business leaders on what makes Michigan a leading state to live, work, and play. Listen to more episodes at michiganbusiness.org forward slash podcast. What was it like living in Silicon Valley? I mean, you know, we see the HBO series or whatever, and, <laughs> and then we see all the craziness of like Steve Jobs and all right. that, but... What's it really like? I mean, did you live actually in the valley or did you just work there? Yeah, we were, we were in San Jose and, uh, I, you know, that, that's a, that, that's could probably be its entire own episode on its own, but I'll, a, a couple observations I'll share with you. <laughs> One, yes, the weather's phenomenal. It's better than they say it is. So, so especially as we head into December, or January here, um, it, it, the weather's pretty phenomenal. You know what, you know what I noticed that is it's the, the, the conversation is just different there. You, I remember walking, but we were going for a hike out in the mountains and walked by a coffee shop on our way to the back end of town where the trail was. And the conversation at the coffee shop is about the next M&A or did you hear these guys are, are IPOing next week? And did you, what's going on in your, and people's conversation was about their company, about what's happening with Google, about what's happening. And here it, it's, it's, your job is very fascinating. People want to learn about it. They want to talk about it, but they also want to talk about your kids like how, and they really care about your life and how things are going. And I found that it, it, out there, you know, the, the, the entire culture is built around Yahoo and Google and Facebook. It, and they're all right there. And, and it just made it, you know, there's good and bad that comes out of it, to be honest with you. There's real positives and negatives. Um, but, but one of the results is over the course of many years, you have an entire generation from that area thriving in technology. And so the talent level is phenomenal there. And, and I'll tell you, I noticed that the kids there, they expect to work at Facebook and Google and they expect to be high tech. They expect like, whereas, you know, in the Midwest, it's, man, I sure hope someday I could, I could go out and work for one of them. Um, it's, it's more, it's less aspirational. They expect to go to Stanford someday. <laughs> Sadly, most of them are, are disappointed when they get the answer, but, but there's just a different, a different conversation at across the whole thing that I found to be very fascinating. And I, I knew again, great experience, wouldn't trade it for anything, but it wasn't necessarily a fit for me. For example, one of the downsides is it become when when running a company there, it becomes all about the it becomes more about the next transaction than it does about long-term business results. For example, are we about to acquire someone? Are we about to get acquired? Are we going to go public? Not how do I set up a business that does, drives economic development for the next 15 to 20 years, right? There's a, there's a much shorter horizon. And again, great experience. It's great to understand the value of a business that comes from that, that process. Um, but if you're, if you're fundamentally a, a, a finance operations guy like I am, it can be very frustrating because the only thing on your mind is three, three months later, one, one quarter, what's going to happen at the end of the next quarter. So a little bit of a, a little bit of a side for your Ed Clemente question, um, but, but very fascinating place. 
Well, you know, it, it is interesting because I don't think as Americans, you know, that sense of entitlement maybe in the Valley that they have, you know, because they're just so used to it is that it's a very exceptional place in general. I mean, there might be some places in China and South Korea or here and there, but it's just a, it's just amazing that that ecosystem has done this well for so long. Yeah. Too. Yeah. And we're fortunate, I guess, in America, you know, I know it's easy to be critical of Silicon Valley, sometimes, (laughs) but at the same time, it's really what's made America move well, too. And, you know, in some instances that have uh, obviously helped the auto industry and many other factors, even though it's there, it has a major ripple effect around the country. And, And I will say from an economic development perspective, the pace that is set there. That, that what I just talked about sets a, of an extraordinarily aggressive pace. It's, it's, an, it's, a, it's a, you know, there's no such thing as a 40-hour work week out there. There is a pace to it that drives business results that, like, to your point, our country has moved forward as a result of that culture that I just talked about. So, so 100% agree. It, it, there are positives and negatives that, <laughs> that, that come out of that. Yeah, and one other thing, too, and this maybe ties into the uh, one of your future questions here, but... For talent, when you say talent, you know, you got the people that grew up organically in that community, but it's also a beacon, you know, not to be critical of any other countries in the world, but it's still a major beacon for, you know, exceptional talent from around the world to still want to come to the United States because of that image, I think. And, you know, I don't know what the reality is, but that is still a big, huge driver for this country is entrepreneurs, innovation, you know, those kind of like non-born American people coming here still. That's the dream, isn't it? That's the dream. Come there. And when you come here, there's a, there's so much of that venture money I talked about is so much of that investment capital that's on the coast and particularly the one of West. Um, it is, it is absolutely the dream. Yeah. That's why my folks came from another country to here too. Yeah. And not go to Silicon Valley, but right. the dream is still there and absolutely. hopefully you yeah. can figure out how to make it work for them. Um, the uh, couple other things too, and I know that um, you're in a unique space. I don't know. Are there other angel firms, or is there other incubators in the state, or are you in a weird space on your own? Or yeah, there's there's quite a few uh, other. Um, incubator. So I think all of the smart zones would consider themselves incubators. So there's a number of smart zones, obviously associated with uh, with MEDC. Um, there are a number of other angel organizations as well. I want to say ours is one of the newer ones, maybe about 10 years old. So there's there's considerable um, precedence, if you will, around the state. Grand Angels isn't too far south of us, um, and there's a number of other ones downstate too. So um, yeah, there there's a number around the state, and and it it really does speak to. Um, that that entrepreneurial spirit that frankly has existed in Michigan for a very very long time. We're we're happy, we're the stewards maybe currently of that, but but it's been around for a long time in Michigan. So yeah, it's it there, there's a very excellent presence of that. You know, and it's funny you turned me on to something, and I'm working on it now. But one of your people you follow, Dr. Parag Khanna, uh, he's the one that talked about Michigan and sort of uh, 2050, you know, being a place to be. Ah, and uh, yeah. yeah. And, um, but anyway, yeah, because I think that, you know, we as a state got to figure out, you know, even though it looks like our population has been sort of stagnant, we know a lot of digital nomads have been moving here too. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I know Traverse City probably has quite a healthy population up there of people who probably work for companies that aren't even near where their companies are located. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, I met two software developers that work for Google. They're able to work remote and and here they are in Traverse City living where they want to live. So yeah, that, that we see quite a bit of that up here. Yeah, that's a uh, trend definitely in the future. If I'm going to suffer out, if I'm going to suffer out this work from home and, and can't leave and go do anything, I might as well do it where I got a kayak right next to me. That, that brought a lot of folks to the area up here too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so just a couple more things beyond any more. Do you see any like future disruptors or um, things on the horizon that, you know, as the MEDC or the state of Michigan should be paying attention to? So I, I, I love, I love that, that, the, the studying and looking into the trends in talent, you know, we're, we're seeing the very near term challenge Ed, of, you know, working remote. And, and that's driven, as I said, that's driven people up here. Um, my wife and I came here and she does her job exclusively remote. She travels occasionally, but, but she does her job from a, from a home office. And she was, we were in San Jose, California, and now she's doing her job from here. So, so that's a, I think a really short-term trend in this Remember, remember, you know, wasn't that long ago that there was this aura of, wow, you get to work from home, you know, once a week, one day a week, you get to dial into your calls from home, you know, and, and now, Everybody's sick of being at home. We get people coming. A guy came in the other day. He said, I just want to buy a, a, a three-month Christmas membership for my wife for a Christmas present to get her out of the house where the twins and the dogs are so she can, she can be out of the house. So, so now there's this, that just stirs that entire thing up, right? And, and where that lands, I think none of us know right now, but, but it certainly is, it's, it's, changing, um, it's changing that remote worker and, and where does he or she sit. And, and, and wow, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an advantage to Traverse City because I actually might get to, you know, work where I actually want to live, which is, which is new again, you know, when we were kids that as at least I generation X or you, you, wherever the job was, that's where you went. You didn't live where you wanted to live. You lived where the job was. And, and it, you know, medium to long-term, I think, the millennials have really helped to shape this and, and they began shaping it long before COVID and COVID is accelerating it, but enough of that. Let's, let's, let's be happy with, you know, with where we live and, and choose where we want to live. And so I think, you know, that, that those trends in the labor market and the shifts for, you know, how do you do workforce development? I saw something the other day that, um, that Gen Xers stay in their job, something like a little over five years on average and millennials are a little over two. And so if you think about that, when we started our jobs, however many years ago, the company could take its time making us productive. You, they, they could invest slowly. They could ramp up slowly. And now you can't do that because that, that guy or gal might leave in two years. So you better make them productive as fast as you can. That changes the skill sets you look for when they come in the door to begin with. That changes how you ramp employees up. So I, I find it fascinating. I think that we're, we're watching kind of the beginning of a, of a fairly massive change to the workforce. Um, certainly that's something I think MEDC is aware of, and I you know, would love to have, have uh, partners in them and figuring it out. I think it's fantastic for rural areas like ourselves up here in Traverse City, um, because I think you know, there's, there's an awful lot to, to, to love about the area up here, recreation wise, um, balance wise. This is the first time I've actually been a part of a, what I'd call a true community. Um, since, since I graduated college, I was in the East coast, Chicago, San Jose, and, and you just kind of live where you lived and then you drive to work every day and you get home at eight o'clock at night and you go to sleep and you get up the next day. And, you know, being part of a small community like this, that's so phenomenal for outdoor recreation and, 
people care about each other. They ask you how your kids are doing. They actually want to know how your kids are doing. So it's, uh, I, I, I love that about it. I think that we, that's really a place we can shine in is that, as that workforce and talent changes. Um, I think, I think <laughs> whether anybody likes it, they're coming. <laughs> I, I think this has become a very popular area. So you already answered a couple of my questions. Very good. Right. You anticipated them. But the last one is what would you tell? And you might have kids of this age. I don't know. But like what advice would you give maybe to yourself even in the past if you could tell yourself what to do? And your daughter's starting at tech, right? Yep. Or she is at tech. <laughs> so what would you be if you – what would you – what quick little couple things would you say to people to uh, – motivate them you know you know should you ever meet her at someday ask my daughter because it's probably how i've parented for, <laughs> for the last 18 years i would i would tell them to set set your bar high set your your bar of expectations high i i saw a video um i won't tell you what university it was it was a michigan university and it was an interview with this girl who said man I, until i went out to silicon valley i i didn't really think you know that i could ever I could ever compete with those folks and actually get a job at Facebook. And I went out there and you know what? That's a pretty cool place. And I, man, what a dream it would be to, to be out there. And I would tell them, you absolutely can compete with everybody out there. I, the, the, the Michigan, there's Michigan nice, which is totally legit. I can't believe how welcome people have been here. And then there's Michigan grit. And, and I talked about the talent that's out in Silicon Valley. They don't have the grit that Midwest people have. There is a, there is a, there is a, uh, and it's a hiring trait. I don't care what anybody tells you. That's that's right up at the top, and it, it to especially to to kids in the Midwest who go get that degree, to get that that advance their education. You can compete with anybody and set the bar. Don't set the bar low. Set the bar really high. That 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 would probably by be my number one advice. And then and then if you don't reach it, it's okay fight again tomorrow. Like it's okay to fail. I know we've, we've made, I think we Xers, <laughs> I think we've made it very difficult for ourselves to fail and for our kids to fail. Um, I, you know, letting them know that it's okay to come up short, get up the next day and go fight again. That's what I'd say. <laughs> well, that's sound advice. And hopefully some people are going to listen to this and implement it for their own strategy. <laughs> um, anyway, I want to thank again, Eric Roberts, executive director, 20 Fathoms, I know you got a busy job and I appreciate you taking time out to talk to us today, Eric, and welcome to back to Michigan. Thanks. Thanks so much. Ed. The welcome has been incredible and from you, you, you as well. So thank you so much for having me. We'll look forward to meeting you in person someday. Awesome. Join us next week where our guest will be Vinaka Abel. She's the chief financial officer for Request Foods. Learn a little bit about lasagna, soups, mac and cheese, and this unique West Michigan headquartered food company. The Michigan Opportunity is brought to you by the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org forward slash radio to put your plans in motion. 